hello, hello everybody and welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. I'm Heinz Winkler and this is brought to you by our ministry called Love Key. The focus of Love Key is to minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ. Our, our heart is to see the, that people all around the world, especially here in South Africa, can encounter God so that they can align with His purposes and ultimately reign in life. And uh, so we just love sharing God's love and hearing stories about how God's love has unlocked people's lives. And I've, I've got some amazing friends with some amazing stories. And, uh, and that's what I'm doing here. I'm just bringing those stories to you guys. And, and I'm trusting that it will encourage, inspire and motivate you to give your heart to Christ if you haven't yet. And if you have, to go deeper, to go further and to fulfill God's life plan for you uh, and, and I really think these stories will inspire. You can go back on the Facebook page, YouTube channel and, and look at some of the interviews we've already have and, uh, and also we've got some exciting ones coming up and today we've got a, a really, really exciting one with an amazing man of God. I've had the privilege of meeting him a couple of years ago and um, we, uh, we're actually almost neighbors. Uh, we've got a beautiful day here in Somerset West where I live and, and just up the road is, uh, is our next guest. But, but he's coming to us from his offices today. And um, he, he's the founder of the, the power construction company and the power group of companies of Unashamedly Ethical. He's, he's authored books and he also is behind the man who God chose to, to lead the global day of prayer back in 2001. So please welcome on uh, Love Unlocks today, Mr. Graham Power. It's so wonderful to have you here. So wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making time so that we can, uh, we can chat about these amazing things. Thank you, Heinz and the viewers out there. It's a joy to join you today. I'm in Blackheath. And as you say, it's a beautiful day in Cape Town, a real perfect winter's day. Yeah, I can't believe how, uh, how great this, the, the, the autumn was that we had. And uh, we've had some great rain, but days like these are, are a nice surprise, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. I, I have a few pictures here of, uh, of, of Mr. Graham in action uh, and his two books that he's got out. And uh, we're going to chat a bit about that later and uh, we can find out more about that. And uh, I've had the privilege of, of hearing his testimony and, and seeing him in action. But uh, today I would like to share some of that with you guys. But before we get into that, um, I, I like asking our guests a few, uh, few questions, a little bit of an icebreaker kind of stuff. And um, so I would love to know, you are married to, to Lauren and... I just found out that you guys were married in the same year that I was born. So, we, when when I when I ask you when I ask you how long you've been married, people will know how old I am. <laughs> how long have you guys been married? <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's forty one or forty two. I think it's forty two years. Uh, Correct. Heinz, help me. Yeah, I think forty two. August in August this year, you got married in August, right? April, April. April. Oh, okay. So we've just had our we just had our forty second anniversary. Wow! But, uh, Congratulations. So you're saying you're saying that your your birthday is coming up in August, is it? No, it was in March. So it was close to your anniversary, actually. Um, yeah. If you remember, two years ago we celebrated my birthday on the road while praying, and that was in March, twenty eighteen, and uh, 
What an amazing quite experience. Right for the, <laughs> yeah, for the It's Time Cape Town event. And that was a very special time, spending those four days on the road with you. Yeah. It was amazing. And then uh, they surprised me uh, on the road with um, a massive birthday cake and a party. It was, uh, it was really special. Very cool. <laughs> oh, we've, got some, we've got some people logging on. Uh, hello, Mary Alzira from... Um, sorry, not from somewhere. So, we've got Karen, uh, Anne Roth, Cindy Grobler. Got some regulars. We've got some new people. Got people from Heidelberg, Mosselbaai, all over. It's so cool. Please, we would love to get your comments and, uh, and hear from you guys and see where you're from. If you have any questions for me or for Mr. Graham Power today, please pop them on there. We will try to get to them if we can. Uh, so it'll be great to just hear from you, you guys. Uh, so I love hearing people's stories of, of how they met and how, how they got married. And I'm especially interested in the part of, so from the moment you guys met, you and Lauren, till the time you popped the question to get married. What was that? How long was that period? So it's quite an interesting story. Um, I was 20. Lauren was 15 at my younger brother's 14th birthday party what and she told she says that i gate crashed the party with my rugby pals um, <laughs> and i'm saying it's my house it's why i live there yeah. i gate crash my own home so but she sticks she sticks with her story and uh, and you know those crazy days uh, my bc days and i took the host pipe and there were all these youngsters these 14 year 15 year olds all in the house there and i I, I sprayed the whole lot of them wet. <laughs> it obviously did. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it obviously didn't put Lauren off uh, for whatever good or bad reason. And we started going out, I would say, within two weeks after that. Oh, wow. And, um, and she was 15 at the time. She was 15 at oh, the time. Oh, my goodness. And she lived about five or six houses away from where we were living in Gordons Bay, and uh, I was working particularly hard, uh, as I probably have done through most of my life. And I was a construction surveyor. And at the time, uh, we were building the Steenbrus hydroelectric scheme at the toe of Gordons Bay. Wow. And so I would leave home at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Uh, I would get back, you know, after the work at maybe 6.30 at night. Sure. Then there was rugby practice and then if it's not rugby practice then you're visiting your new girlfriend yeah so it was a, a busy time <laughs> and 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 she's a night person so she likes to be chatting at 10 and 11 at night and i've got to be up the next morning at five o'clock so oh, it was uh, it, it, it it was long days and uh and and so let's say months slop. yeah yeah, but as you as you young and verliefers, then make it tight. Yeah, yeah, quite right. That's amazing. Yeah, and so you know, um, when Lauren was eighteen, in fact, I think it may have been at her eighteenth birthday that I asked her to get married. And I was at that stage working up at Soldana Bay. We were doing a lot of the road internet inter uh, uh, work up in the Soldana Bay area, the Longaban Feldruff Road contract. Wow. And also uh, building the the tank farms, the oil tank farms, which are huge. They store a lot of uh, of our crude oil, etc. And so it was a matter at that point um, of working and only getting home on weekends. And eventually I said to her, you know, I'm driving myself 
uh, silly, uh, leaving early morning, getting back here. I try to at times come back on a Wednesday evening and then on again on the weekends. And I said to her, it's just so awkward. Um, can, we, can we get married? So it was a lot earlier than probably she had planned in life. I was now 22 and she was 18. Okay. And, uh, and, and let's say the rest is history. That's special. So you had to ask parents and parents had to, had to actually sign for her, I'm guessing, because she wasn't 21 yet. Absolutely. Quite oh, right. wow. And how did, how did the asking of parents go? It, it's, it's also a story that she enjoys telling because they only they, they as a family because they come out of the old hotel industry they're only eating at 10 and 11 o'clock at night oh, and wow. that by that time i'm normally long Fast into asleep. my sleep yeah. and uh, so that evening i sat there and sat there and had to wait till after dinner and eventually at 10 30 or 11 o'clock i got around to be able to speak to her dad and uh, coming from a German background uh, and so <laughs> forth, he sat there and listened to my story and so forth. But it, uh, it really has worked out so well. Uh, both her, her father is no longer alive. Her mother is now 87, my mother-in-law. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just over the years, just uh, wonderful to, to have gained a lot of knowledge and insight. Because my father-in-law, along with Lauren, were the ones that prompted me and said, you're working so hard for a company. I'd been with Savage and Lovemore, which today would be called Group 5 Roads. I was with him for nine and a half years. And then he and Lauren prompted me and saying, why don't you start your own business? So that was 1983, uh, 37 years ago. And um, we started the business. I sold my house and two plots that I had. He put in an equal amount of money to help me. Wow. Uh, we bought a little small holding, 10 hectares at the toe of Solari's Pass, which is where Eagles Rising, the ministry, is operating from today with these young students. Oh, wow. And, um, and we use that as the collateral in order to get the business going. And uh, it was hard work. Lauren sure. did the books, looked after the wages and salaries, and uh, I was doing the tendering and out there getting the jobs done. Um, and we started with such small projects. We did a lot of parking areas and driveways for churches and municipalities and things like that, and then progressively got into the bigger civil works. Well, that's amazing. I have to ask you, um, and I'm sure you've had this question before. I don't know if you have, but is, is your real surname power? <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Do you get that question a lot? You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I used to get the question where people say, so are you into electricity? Because <laughs> it's the name power. Yeah, so they think yeah. that, you know, and, and you know, th there were the good times. And then, of course, when there were a lot of power outages oh, man. and blackouts, uh, there were some negative comments as well. I can imagine. But, uh, no power. Yeah, uh, so, ish. <laughs> but, of course, in Afrikaans, it's puver. So, yeah, puver. no, no. <laughs> yeah, you probably had, obviously had those jokes at school, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but uh, I thank God it's been a it's been an amazing uh, journey. And Heinz, you may you you know that I only committed my life at the age of 43. That was in 1988. I'm 65 now, and uh, I had grown up in a fairly poor environment. We had meals, and I had a pair of shoes, and things like that. I was one of five children, number four of five. 
And my father was a motor mechanic coming out of the Second World War. Wow. Uh, my mother used to go to work each day on a duckwheel bicycle. Um, she used to ride, I guess it must have been about 10 kilometers to work and from work each day. Wow. And, um, and for that reason, I want to say I, I like to hope that I appreciate the small things in life. But I probably had this, not probably, I had this burning desire to climb the ladder, to be able to, you know, get places and do things and so on. I, um, so I remember my first five years, I always said, I want to get 10 years experience within five years by working hard, long hours, taking on responsibilities that were not necessarily my, uh, my role at the time. And uh, it was through that that I gained a lot of, uh, experience and there was no money to study so I'm not an engineer oh wow um, I started off as a trainee surveyor then on to quantity surveying project management and it was really by great opportunity um, you know when I uh, I was mentioning about Soldana Bay so I was 23 at the time and I was thrown in as the head of this uh, division looking after those big projects up there so it was a was a tremendous amount of of opportunity and thanks to a leader who had a lot of faith in me and I try to do my best to to perform that's amazing I love that we'll, we'll get into your testimony just now because I, I wanna I want people to hear all about it um, I have I have a few more questions of getting to know you here uh, the you you've spent a lot of time in Africa because you've got such a deep passion for the continent um, I want just just on an interesting factoid kind of angle. What what which country which country's food do you enjoy the most? Because going up in Africa, there's a lot of cultural differences, and uh, you know the one nation loves this kind of food, the other one likes this, and there's always spice involved. Um, so which which African nation's food do you look forward to when you visit them? So I generally try and eat the local dishes. To you know, to join in with the local fun. Yeah. Um, probably the most challenging was being in Namibia, meeting with the then president, okay. Sam and Joma, and and they have those worms. They Mopani. look like Mopani worms. <laughs> Man, that was probably one of the more challenging. And I of course, you're imagine. in the presence of of these <laughs> folks, so you 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 want to do your bit. Yeah. Um, but I in in the last few years. A country which I've got a lot of uh, friends in and that I visit fairly regularly is Ghana. Um, and I've uh, must say I've come to really appreciate the West Africa uh, side. I've been to Uganda. I've met with the First Lady and on many occasions the President, uh, Kenya. And um, we did a story there uh, in, 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 uh, in Uganda about the turnaround of HIV AIDS and Media Village went along and did a, I think it's about a 20 minute program with the first lady as to how she almost single-handedly um, went into the schools and got the young girls and the young boys to commit at a young age to remain, um, you know, faithful and, and to, uh, and, and so Abstance. where others were talking, yeah, where yeah. others were talking about ABC, um, they mm. were talking about abstaining yes. um, and so forth. So it was uh, quite an interesting experience. Yeah. So I've gone off the mark, but um, <laughs> I would say that 
Uh, there's no particular one that I would say that I'm mad about. All right. Um, because I enjoy most of their foods. I love seafood. Okay. And of course, the coastal areas have got great seafood, but inland, um, they, um, the tilapia and things like that, also great. Awesome. You're an avid cyclist, and uh, I've, I've seen you cycle hundreds of miles. It's, it's amazing to see how, how fit you are. Uh, but I have to ask, are you still that fit with lockdown happening? Do you have one of those trainers at home? Can you train at home or, or are you a little bit behind now? I'm probably a little bit ahead. Oh. That with lockdown, okay. um, there, you know, Dan Krobler is a biokineticist friend of mine. He cycles with us and a whole number of friends. So we, in, in lockdown, when we we're really locked down and we're not allowed out for any reason. Uh, we were cycling five days a week and we were doing about 200 kilometers a week. Um, and it was generally an hour, hour and a quarter um, on three days during, uh, four days during the week. And then on, on the Saturday, we would do a longer ride. So I try to amazing. keep reasonably fit. Um, I'm not oh, the wow. fastest. You know, I, I, I was a four, I was, I, I was a hacker, so I haven't okay. got the speed. But I've got the endurance, so I enjoy the, the longer rides. Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, my, my dad played hooker on his day. He uh, actually was uh, Western Province under 23. So my, uh-huh. my one thing I can brag about <laughs> in terms of rugby, not me so much. <laughs> um, I have to ask, uh, I asked this to all the guests, uh, can you recall in your workplace environment, at home, or traveling through Africa, you know, speaking at events, uh, any any embarrassing moment that really stands out to you? Yeah, the my most embarrassing moment is part of the testimony. So, um, I committed my life ninety eight um, in the year two thousand. God gave the vision for Global Day of Prayer. We had the first gathering at Newlands, forty five thousand people. We had just had the second one, which was nine gatherings across uh, South Africa in 2002 and beginning of 2003. Um, I had made a commitment to clean up all of my things that I'd done wrong in the past. And one of the things that is probably uh, one of the things that I'm least proud of, but being in the construction industry, we were part of the collusion, part of the price fixing that took place. And um, I ended up um, probably over a two-year period, from 98 through to the year 2000, uh, making sure that I paid my taxes, that I didn't do anything such as having a garden service who would come and do my home um, lawn mowing and things like that. Uh, In the past, I would put that through the company. Easy, you know, nobody knows about it. The guy yeah. just sends you the invoice, etc. But um, the one thing that I had uh, done over the previous 15 years was progressively when you were not allowed to take money out of the country or were very limited. So if you went on holiday, you could buy traveler's checks. And let's say you were allowed to take out 30,000 Rand in those days, which then was a lot of money. Yeah. And you only used 10 or 15, then the rest you would say you would keep in a small um, illegal overseas account. And um, so, yeah, I was in the uh, year February of of 2002. um, And we had uh, this planning for Global Day of Prayer. 
We had a gathering at the Lord Charles Hotel. We had about 250 people. And that evening, we had Dr. Bruce Wilkinson as our speaker. Oh, I and, love that guy. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, he, he was living in South Africa for about three years at the time. We became very close friends. And that evening, um, we had a fundraiser for the prayer initiatives across Africa. And um, at the end of the evening, while we were sitting there, we had a tremendous fundraiser. We raised 3.1 million, which was the most that Whoa. any of us had ever heard of. And we used that over the next two years Amazing. to roll out Global Day of Prayer across Africa. Anyway. Sorry, was that um, Rand or dollars at the time? That was Rand, Rand. Okay, okay. And, Still um, a lot of money. Yeah, and I... I ended up that next morning, we had, uh, I fetched him and we were going to be speaking to the pastors of the Western Cape. And I said to him, you know, last night, um, my wife and I, as you were doing this fundraiser, I turned to her and I said, Lauren, there's one thing that we have left in our life that's not legal. And that's our overseas little apartment I've got in Spain. And I've got a small boat there and this, call it foreign uh, uh, bank account which was not legal in the South Africa term. And I said, it's the one thing that we're going to need to set right store. And so her and I agreed that evening that we would sell and we would bring the money back. The following week, um, so now I've made this call. I speak to my uh, lawyer and my auditor and I said, look, um, this is my decision. I need to bring it back. They said, Graham, but... You know, how do you, when you bring it back, you've got to say where it's come from. So it's going to probably be more difficult bringing it in. Anyway, I said, listen, yeah. this has got to happen. This yeah. has got to happen. Um, a few days later, um, there is a announcement by the then Minister of Finance, Trevor Manuel. And he says, we are, uh, are going to declare an amnesty for, I think, three months for people that have got money out of the country because many have done this. And if you bring it back, you pay 5%. If you leave it there, you pay 10% and all's forgiven. Wow. So, so now, um, two weeks later, we're having a gathering at Gallagher Estate up in Johannesburg, 600 people, and it's the fundraiser for Up North, uh, again for Global Day of Prayer. And um, that evening, um, I stood up and I did the welcome, and I, at the end, I did the thank yous. And we had a very special evening. But right at the end, I said, friends, I'm guessing like myself, many of you as Christians, we've tried to do everything right in our lives. But the one thing that I'm guessing many business people have done is taken some money out of the country, A, because we think, will we become a Zimbabwe? Will our rand depreciate? As of course it has done a lot. And I said, I was one of those. Trevor Manuel has announced this on Wednesday. This was the Saturday evening. I said, I want to say to you that I'm going to take up that amnesty and I challenge you as a Christian businessman or woman, let's do the same. Let's set right because this is something which we know we have, which is probably uh, chewing at your and my conscience about this. That was Saturday night. Monday morning, I'm driving to work and I get a phone call from one of my directors from the PE area from uh, Nelson Mandela Bay. And he says to me, Graham, have you seen the paper this morning? I said, no, I'm still on my way to work. And um, he said, you better look at it. Front page of the newspaper, Afrikaans paper says, Christen Sakerman 
near Miljuna Landheid. <gasps> so somebody was in the Anikawer, oh, no. and here I was basically saying, hey guys, yeah, you know, let's right clean thing. up our act. And this person takes it. They turn so it around. That day, oh, man. That day, I must have had half a dozen calls from the English newspaper. And the next morning, I'm driving to work. You get these posters on the lamppost. Yeah. Christian rapes millions of, uh, rapes country of millions. Oh, my I have my mother on the phone. Are you okay? <laughs> are you, you know, are you going to go to prison? What's going to happen? No. It was the most embarrassing moment you can imagine. Oh, my and word. And that became part of my testimony. Um, and a few years later, 2006, four years later, God gives me the vision about unashamedly ethical, how there'd be these three waves that would cross over Africa and the globe. First wave, a wave of prayer. Second, ethics, values, and clean living, turning from our wicked ways. Mm. And then the promise, uh, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land, as in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, wave 3. And God overlays that, first of all, gives these three waves and how each will run out, and then overlays 2 Chronicles 7, 14 over that. So it has really been an amazing journey. It was a massive turnaround. When you talk about prayer, I'm a, I build roads and bridges and dams, and I'm a contractor because a pot marker, rough and ready. And, uh, and here you tell me I must initiate a prayer movement, yeah. like right outside of my comfort zone. Wow. But God had given all the details step by step as to what would happen, how it would roll out over the 10 years. So. That's amazing. Well, I mean, you've, you've already alluded to it. So I, I would love to have people hear your, your, the moment you came to Jesus. And you can, you can go from there into how, how did the Global Day of Prayer start? Uh, I think people were really blessed by that. Um, since you're already touching on it, let's let's hear the, the story. I, I heard it uh, recently at LifeWork Leadership, and I was so impacted by it. So please share your your story of when you came to Jesus, and and then how how everything changed, how God really unlocked your life, and and how these other um, things started flowing through your through your life. So as I mentioned, I was um, it was 1998. Um, I had been invited over the years by many, many uh, special Christian buddies to please come along to various gatherings that they had. This particular gathering was going to be at the Lord Charles Hotel. Michael Cassidy from Africa Enterprise was the speaker. I didn't even know who he was. Um, but I knew that there were going to be a lot of engineers and architects and clients that would be important to us in the construction industry. Mm. So I went along with my logic that this is a perfect networking opportunity. And that morning, as Michael spoke, I was really challenged. Um, and uh, the same grouping a month later, uh, two months later, had Peter Pollock as the speaker. And Peter, as you may have heard um, when, when he speaks, uh, he tells his story about being the world's fastest bowler, um, so being good. a cricketing yeah. hero, and then how he finishes his cricketing career. Each night he would have six or eight beers on his way home via the club before he gets home, gets home to his young wife. Um, he has uh, had a few drinks. She gives him a cold plate of food and a cold shoulder, as he says. And then <laughs> one day he gets home and she is just 
all joy. And uh, even though he got home at nine o'clock, he'd had a few beers. She said, him, you know, you know, here's your warm plate of food. Can I bring you a beer? And like, you want to bring me a beer? <laughs> and uh, he said, like, what happened in your life? No, I gave my life to Jesus. And said, well, why do you want to do something stupid like that? <laughs> and, and he tells the story about how in the next few weeks and months, he just saw the tremendous turnaround in her whole attitude. And it was so compelling that he started going with her to some of these talks and some of these services and how he one day in the bottom of his uh, garden um, late afternoon, he just went down there and he committed his life. And then at the end, he says, well, now I'd like to pray with you and close your eyes and he prays. And he says, now I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. You know, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sin. La, la, la. And he says, if you said that prayer for the first time, raise your hand. Well, I kept my eyes closed. I raised my hand. Needless to say, somebody had their eyes open because they uh, contacted me the next day. And I must say, it was a tremendous turnaround in my life. Um, I want to say that um, there are many things that I'm not particularly proud of through my youth. Uh, and chasing success and doing whatever you need to to climb the ladder uh, and so forth, tramping on people uh, on your way up that ladder. And um, it, there was a lot of stuff that I had to repent of and a lot of things that I had to uh, set right in my life. And so that's the story. Um, and so that was uh, late, late 1998. Uh, did the Alpha course um, early 99. Uh, my wife committed her life during that period at Alpha. And by the year 2000, uh, I was in Spain at this then illegal or previously illegal apartment uh, and, you know, enjoying my boat. Yeah. Um, and um, I took a lot of books along. Now you're this new young Christian. People have heard you've committed your life and they're giving you a lot of books to read. And I probably only got to read four of the dozen books I took along. But two days before coming back, in July of the year 2000, I woke up the morning at four o'clock with what I say was not a vision, was not a dream. It was an instruction sure. to hire the Newlands Rugby Stadium, to challenge Christians from all the different denominations to come together for a day of repentance and prayer. Mm. But the accuracy in my hand, I could see the color of the bag what was inside the bag when people went through the turnstile, what, the, what was inside of there, wow. absolute detail, Yo. and how it would start in Cape Town and then progressively almost fading across Africa. Um, behind me, there's an Africa sign, as you may see, with a cross over it, and I have one in my house. I have one in my office. I, it, it, it's something that um, is, is very near and dear to me, and, um, and God rolled out that vision with such accuracy over the next 10 years, so that by the year 2010, all 220 nations, which we had listed across the world, had people praying together, some in their thousands, some in their hundreds of thousands, some um, closed countries up in North Africa, where a dozen people would go into the desert and would go and pray on behalf of their nation, stand in the gap. So by the year 2010, there were in excess of 350 million people worldwide that sure. prayed together. Wow. And I want to say to you, Heinz, 
I cannot claim any credit for this. This was God's plan. Yeah. He made it so clear. And all each of us needed to do was just follow out our little piece our, uh, you know, of that puzzle. And uh, so, so people, you know, within that book that you mentioned, you know, not by might nor by power, um, a number of people said to me, this was the largest prayer uh, gathering in recorded history. Yeah. And I remember that, that day in 2004, when we had, it was now year four, We'd done the first one, Cape Town, the next year, the nine gathering South Africa, the next year, we had 27 nations in Africa involved. Yeah. And year four, we did a crossover from Cape to Cairo. Uh, if you've been to Cairo, the Cave Church, uh, uh, the Makatam Church, uh, seats 20,000. It had never been opened other than for the Coptic uh, wow. uh, denomination. They allowed for the first time that the other um, you know, Pe Pentecostals and others could also join. Amazing. And we did the crossover from Cape, to Cape, Cape, Cape Town to Cairo. There were 22 million people that we know of that prayed together on that time, sure. on that day. And Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, as I mentioned earlier, was then living in South Africa. I had him with us at Newlands. And that day as we left uh, and we were driving together, he said to me, Graham, do you realize this is the first time in the history of the world that an entire continent has, on the same day, the same time, prayed the same prayer? Wow. And it was a prayer, you know, a prayer covering. And, and Ed Silvoza, who was also with us that day, born in South America, living in America at the time, uh, he ended up praying and just saying, Lord, we raise a canopy of prayer all over Africa. That's I amazing. You know, I'm excited about what I believe God plans to do with Africa. Yeah. And in that vision and in that dream, and I, I've just given you the, the short version, uh, I understood that South Africa would be a light to Africa and Africa would be a light to the world. Beautiful. And that uh, as crazy as that may sound, you know, this stock Africa with all our problems and our uh, HIV AIDS at that stage was a big issue. Yeah. Um, you know, corruption is a big issue unemployment, crime, and so forth. And I believe that God has a special plan. And in fact, I will Absolutely. not be surprised if what we're experiencing right now with the COVID and lockdown, etc., if this is part, well, I have no doubt this is part of God's grand plan, Absolutely. but that we will see um, that Africa may well come out a lot lighter than other parts of the world, and that this may be part of his third wave which I describe as a positive tsunami. Let's see. That's awesome. Um, can, while we're on the subject, I, can you tell us why you believe and how you've seen that prayer is truly powerful and life-changing? So, Heinz, when we had that first gathering in Cape Town, the previous 18 months, the year 99-2000, um, beginning of 2001. In Cape Town, over that 24-month period, there were 22 bombs that exploded. Sure. And we had that gathering, you know, you were a lot younger then, but um, explosion at the waterfront, yes. the DNA waterfront, yes. Hard Rock Cafe, yeah. people maimed, killed, etc. And from that day when we had that first gathering until today, I do not know of a single bomb that's exploded in our city yeah. 
And I, I say that I will, I will never underestimate the power of prayer. And um, it's been one of the most interesting things for me has been to get to know people that are intercessors. And many of them are quiet mm. uh, people that are never on a stage, yeah. are never up front, that are willing to pray for our country, for our leaders, whether that be church and political business leaders uh, in the background. I mean, these people will offer up their lives for that which they believe in. Amen. And I've come to appreciate and respect these quiet, introverted folks, many of them, and how they just commit their lives to prayer. And over the probably hundreds of years, there have been many people praying. Uh, we know the Andrew Murray story, uh, which is a you know a big thing in, in our country, 150 plus years ago. And here we are, I'm believing, in a time where we have never seen as much prayer globally yeah. as right now. Sure. This Pentecost, mm. which was last Sunday, the 31st of May, um, there was more prayer, I believe, around the world than in any other 24-hour period in the world's history. People were in lockdown or are in lockdown. Churches are not allowed to operate. People were able to watch online. Um, the amount of prayer networks that have rolled out over this last 10 days, two weeks, has been mind-boggling. We have a group... Um, which is across probably 90% of them was Africa, some of them from outside of Africa. And today, um, Thursday, is day 70 of our lockdown. Mm. So today is 10 weeks from when our first lockdown started tonight, midnight, 10 weeks ago. Sure. It's a, lo it's a long time. Yeah. And we have had a 70-day uh, prayer uh, initiative where each day, whether that be on Facebook and the different WhatsApp groups, there's been a prayer that would go out around the world praying for the various challenges that there are. And those challenges included, of course, the virus, the nurses and the people, you know, the doctors, the people in the front uh, that are, are the most uh, exposed to this. Uh, it's been about the economy. It's been about our president. It's been about uh, all these various... Uh, aspects uh, that uh, that have challenged the world so i'm uh, i i've been i've been blessed to see the amount of prayer that has happened in this time on sunday we had a thing called um sounds from heaven where we had a one hour video I that saw was that. put oh, together so beautiful uh, and it was interesting just the feedback just from one source which is called uh uh, which is called um, Praise Live, which is uh, one of the platforms that uh, put it out. They had a million, over, by yesterday, they had over a million people mm. that watched that. And never mind face, uh, never mind all the social uh, media, you know, the, Zoom, oh. the Zooms and all the others. Yeah. That's amazing. Sure. So 70 days straight. I've been seeing the, the prayers go out on the WhatsApps and on your Facebook page, and it's so powerful. And I also know about Unite 714 that have had a, a prayer go out every week for, for thousands, if not tens of thousands of churches and millions of people. And it's amazing to see how the power of prayer, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it started with one little flame and then it just kept going and going. And I think people... You know, knowing that we have this access to, to speak to the Father and bring 
these issues to him and know that he is with us through them, it's, I think it brings so much hope and, and inspiration. And then to see things start changing. I mean, we've seen in this country how prayer has, I don't think most people actually realize how, how much prayer has protected us and from what prayer has protected us. We read in the Bible, you know, 2 Corinthians 10, Ephesians 6, that our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness and that we have weapons, but they are not carnal. They're mighty in God. And when we start operating in that, that realm, that sphere, that is when things start to shift. We don't see, but we know it's actually the, the real things that are operating. Yeah. And that's so powerful to think, see that happen. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with you, Heinz. And uh, back in the year 1990 to 94, through that period for our transition in the country, mm. uh, the amount of warfare, people killed in a tell, etc. And Michael Cassidy played quite a key role. He's just finished a book uh, and, and they're busy making a short movie, a video, uh, sorry, a movie on the story, the, the spiritual story behind that transition. I'm hoping it will be out somewhere later this year. And uh, wow, awesome. it's going to be, I think it's going to be an eye opener for people to, uh, to see what happened. Now, as a younger man, you may not know the detail, but um, the Inkata Freedom Party, the IFP, were not participating in the election. Michael and a number of the prayer or the church leaders went and went and spent time with, uh, uh, with Prince Butlesi. And at the last moment, within the last week, he agreed to participate. Sure. And they ended up having to paste the IFP sticker on all of the ballot papers because the ballot papers were all ready to go out. Wow. And that prevented what would have been a massive, um, let's call it Zulu, non-Zulu, you know, uh, yeah. faction at the time. So there's some amazing stories about this country. Um, sure which we'll only, I think we'll only appreciate it one day when we're in heaven <laughs> and we come to see the impact of prayer. See it You're from, on my prayer. Yeah, yeah. See it from God's perspective. That's yeah. so powerful. I've seen it in my own life, the, you know, from praying for friends, family, and, and personal challenges and issues to praying for, you know, bigger issues, standing, standing united. I think that's a big thing. And, and what, I, what I really appreciate about the you know you taking up the 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 mantle of of running with what God has given you. I've heard I've heard people give testimonies of of God coming to them with with similar visions and missions for them to do, and then God will also reveal. Uh, this one friend of mine he said to me God said God revealed to him he's the sixth per person that God asked the same thing. So not everyone says yes. To, to what God has asked them. And, uh, and like with Esther, you know, uh, I think uh, the uncle said, you know, if you don't do this, God will find someone else. So we have to be ready to be obedient. And, and I just want to thank you and honor you that, that you were obedient at the time. You know, as actually a very young Christian, ready to, to take on something you've never done before, but, you know, by faith, knowing that it's, it's not by my might or power, <laughs> but by God's. And, yes. and he will lead and he will give what needs to happen. And to see then supernaturally how these things just, just open up. And, and the thing yes. that, that stood out for me about the, the National Day of Prayer the, and then the Global Day of Prayer, how, how it progressed is there was that, that, that one thing of unity, bringing all Christians from all denominations together 
And that's the thing that I love. I remember as, as a young person going to the, the to um, to to New Newlands for the prayer there, and being just in that stadium, being part of that mass gathering of black, white, brown, everything. You know, everyone's there, yes. and and they've got one goal in mind: is that we love Jesus and we want to see a change in the atmosphere in this nation. And to be a part of that was so powerful. And it's something that's that's really strong in my heart as well. Is the whole thing of that we should be. If we call ourselves Christians, we should be loving the, our brothers and sisters from other denominations, other backgrounds, other classes, because we are Christian. And yeah. I just, I'm always inspired by Jesus' prayer in John 17, uh, where, where he says, Father, he prays to the Father and, and asks that his disciples the, and the ones to follow them will be one as he and the Father are one. Wow. And, then he, and then he says something profound. He says, this is how the world will know that you sent me. It's by their unity. And so our unity, standing together, praying like this, is one of the biggest signs for the world that Jesus was actually sent. And so, and I think it's one of the strongest evangelical tools that we have. So I, I just want to thank you and honor you for that. And, and I'm so grateful for this still going on. Um, and please tell us, how, how can we keep, uh, how can people out there listening and watching stay involved and stay praying with the initiatives that, that's going on right now. So Heinz, um, I, I also would like us to talk a little bit about, um, before we close, a little bit about the racial issues that are happening in the US, yes. which is spilling over to many countries. I think yes. that's very important. But let me just Absolutely. again say that the three waves that God showed, first wave, a wave of prayer, second wave, a wave of ethics, values, and clean living, mm. what we call unashamedly ethical. And so we have an unashamedly ethical network uh, where people can sign up themselves as individuals, their companies, their ministry, even if they, you know, professional sportsmen and women, etc. And unashamedly ethical is now in over 140 countries. In our country, South Africa, yeah. there are over 6,000 companies that have committed to be unashamedly ethical. Hallelujah. Now, corruption must be one of the biggest weapons of mass destruction facing the earth today. Sure. I believe it's an even bigger challenge than the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. It's huge. It's like a cancer that's been chewing away at society. Mm. And, then, um, and then would come what I understood to be the positive tsunami, the revival, like the world has never seen before. Amen. And I believe South Africa is going to be central to the starting, the ignition of that fire, Absolutely. which will then go across Africa. So that is as per 2 Chronicles 7, 14, prayer, turning from our wicked ways, ethics, values, and clean living. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. We need that right now. Mm. America needs this right now. Amen. Um, today, later in our time today, there will be the burial service um, of uh, of that Floyd. black man yeah. who Floyd, uh, who was murdered. Yeah. And um, it uh, has not been the first. Uh, God forbid, I trust that it is the last. Yes. Um, but this has been a serious wake-up call. Mm. And, you know, it was just before Pentecost. There was a lot of prayer that took place over this weekend. I had the privilege of linking in with people in, in um, Philippines, uh, in uh, Singapore, Malaysia, um, in Ghana, um, in the U.S. So, as you said earlier, Unite 714, 
another organization called Go 2020, mm. which is all about evangelism uh, and ourselves, uh, put our heads together and we said, how can we really um, encourage people around the world to be praying together? So that's been special. Amazing. So you asked the question going forward. Yes. There's a thing called globalvoiceofprayer.com. And Global Voice of Prayer is what we have formed early this year as of February. It is now really going through the roof as far as amount of people that are linking on where we are able to raise particular prayer points and particular challenges from around the world. www.globalvoiceofprayer.com I just put and it on the screen as well so people can check it out there. Thank you very much. And I want to say to you that that should have ongoing information uh, that video you spoke about that we showed on sunday which millions and millions of people i would say tens if not hundreds of millions of people have watched a one hour um, it's a it's an amazing storyline and i believe that uh, i mean a dear friend of yours neville d did that one song about two chronicle 714 heal our land amazing. when i just heard that i yeah just like the tears the emotion just welled up Sure. Yeah, so um, I'm trusting that we're going to see that all of this prayer, us turning from our wicked ways, being ethical in our dealings, mm. in business, in life, uh, and so forth, that we'd not be willing to pay backhanders when the traffic cop catches you for speeding, that you, like your pakfat, that you'd be willing to to yeah. do what we know we need to do. Yes. And, um, and you know, so I'm believing that we're going to see a tremendous healing of our land. Amen. And it's soon. Amen. I don't know God's timing, but all I can say, this COVID-19, um, even now the challenge that's coming with the racial divide in America, etc. these are all things that are stirring. And uh, people, wealthy people, that have had their um, hope in their wealth and mm. in their material things. Their business have come crashing down. They're on their knees. They're on their face. They've lost the things nearest and dearest to them. And people are coming to the Lord now, probably more than at any other time that I know of. Yes. And um, I'm excited to just see what God does in the next short while. What would your message be to the people listening and watching about how, just in terms of how do we navigate this time that we're in that's so difficult coming out of lockdown? You know, we've got people with different kinds of challenges they're facing. Um, I mean, I know since 2000, we've been with, with Global Day of Prayer and many other movements. Uh, it's time, all these things that it's always 2 Chronicles 714, if my people. And I think what, what I sometimes find frustrating is. That's, that's a big if, you know. Uh, and for a lot of people, they hear it and they say, Amen, Hallelujah, that's great. But is it actually, is that first if actually happening? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. I think sometimes that's our biggest challenge. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I guess I, I, I'm leading you a little bit in the answer. <laughs> but I, I would love to hear from your heart to South Africa's heart, to whoever's listening around the world's heart, how, how do we approach this time practically and, and how, do we, how are we part of the solution and not part of the problem and part of the complaining and the moaning? So Heinz, you're right. None of us have all the answers. Certainly the government don't have the answers. 
Um, and, you know, we had a tremendous amount of unemployment in this country before lockdown. Yeah. Close to 30% official figure. Unofficially, probably quite a bit higher. Sure. After lockdown, they're saying it's going to be close to 50%. Oh, Officially, probably being very close to 40 Unofficially, I'm guessing 50%. So when I've never lived in a shack in a township, I've always had a meal, a, a roof over my head, and I've always had a meal, at least two meals a day. Mm. So um, we must anticipate and know that when people are hungry, if I were living in a shack, I tried to get an honest job, I kept on that there was no opportunity, and I get home and my two-year-old or three-year-old or five-year-old kid is, is crying from hunger, mm. and I had no other option, I want to say to you, I believe I would steal, if that was all option left to me. Mm. And as, uh, as, as careful as I am to say that, it's important. People often say in Africa, don't feed us, teach us to fish. But if there's not a pond with fish in it, you can give me a fishing rod and you can give me all the tackle and all the bait and everything, you can teach me to fish. But if there's no fish in that pond, you are lost. Sure. And I want to say to you, if there's no work available for our people, mm. we can talk and we can evangelize and we can get people to commit their lives. But if they do not have feed in their, food in their stomach, they are not going to, nobody will operate uh, effectively, efficiently and honestly if they are forced with their back to the wall. And we need to make sure that we have job opportunities and coming out of this COVID uh, pandemic, we have got some huge challenges, yeah. but by God, mm. as, as Uncle Anger says, when we talk about all this, <laughs> but God, but God, but God. Amen. and I want yeah. to say to you, but God, and I believe that people did not believe that our RAND would strengthen in these last three days. It's now back to where it was like something like uh, nine weeks ago. That's On what amazing. logic? Yeah, but yeah. God, yes. and I believe that when Amen. it comes to you know even the negativity going on right now about you know all of what, all the decisions that were made and the lockdown rules and the courts overruling these various things, and believe me, I'm as frustrated as many mm. to have construction to have been locked down for seven of these last uh, ten weeks sure. yeah, was not rough. pleasant, of and course. you know you you you're having to try and pay people. How much can you afford to pay when you've got mm. no income coming? Yeah. And companies are going to fold. There are going to be many, many companies that will not exist in six months' time. Sure. So the dropout rate in the next while is not going to be pleasant. And I again say, but God. So I have the belief that if you and I do our bit, we must be willing to care for our neighbor. We must love our neighbor. We must love that person that has got no food, that has got kids that are not able to, you know, to, to get the basics in life. And I believe it's the one time that we can stand together as a nation. We've done it before yeah. and we must be able to take hands. And I believe that we're going to see many positives coming out of this pitch dark cloud, this storm. There will be a silver lining and that silver lining is going to start by the good news stories. And I want to thank you for even what you're doing right now. And you've started this recently is bringing hope and energy and these things, when people, you and I know, if my life, if I would not committed my life, where would I have been today? Probably divorced. Probably my kids wouldn't be talking to me. Probably, you know, wow. walking around with some young blonde chicky on your side because you potentially could afford it. Yeah. That's not joy. 
I've seen people that um, that have lost their families, mm. and they say to me, "Yeah, but look at this massive conglomerate, this you know empire that I've built. Yeah. No amount of success in business can compensate for failure in the family." Sure. It's one of the things I really believe. Family, family, hey, family. Man. This lockdown yes. has brought families together yeah. like I've never had in my life. Absolutely. And probably will potentially never have again in my life. Yeah. It has brought people close. Mm. People have played board games. They've you know, they've done things which they haven't done, you know, in many, many years. Um, and yes, you've got to homeschool your kids and it's been tough. Yeah. And for the kids and the frustration and so forth. But there are, you look back. You're spending time with three them. and five yeah. years time and you will say, mm. this was a most amazing time. Let's utilize it. Let's yeah. embrace it. And of course, let's get out there and let's be, let's be the feet and the hands of Jesus as we, as we see how we can impact and affect the lives of those around us. That's so good. And I, I see it as well. My, I've got young kids, 10, 8, 6, and a little baby. And uh, I mean, the baby won't remember much, but the, the, the three boys, I think if you ask them in two, three years time, they're going to say, man, I love that time. My, my mom and dad was home the whole time and uh, we, we did this and we even we had um, two of my boys had their birthdays in this time and they, they didn't know up front. So they were quite disappointed. But then we try to make it as fun as possible. And they ended up saying, this was the best birthday ever. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's those moments that otherwise wouldn't have created and conversations with them that probably wouldn't have happened. Uh, so, you know, there is something to be grateful for as well. And I just want to thank you for that answer. I think what, what I'm hearing and, and how I feel encouraged is that we, I think we each need to look at where we're at what, and what we have available to to bring change with uh, you spoke about there's two ways of doing business uh the one is to chase money for your own enrichment and in in the process you're probably going to lose everything that really matters in life those treasures in heaven you'll probably lose all of them even though you have got everything else physically and then there's building a business that serves the community and changes people's lives and i think if what i'm hearing from what you're saying is to encourage entrepreneurs, businessmen, people with, with a skill set, with, uh, with maybe an idea to, to knuckle down and say, Lord, show me how this idea can serve the community and create jobs. I think the yeah. more people we have doing that, the more we can start seeing different changes. Because you might feel, man, I'm just one person in, in one little town or one little neighborhood. But the more people that say, you know, I may be one person with one idea and I can employ one or two people, but the more people that do that, the more we can actually affect change that, that is lasting. And I think that's the thing that is needed so much is, is lasting change, answers that have longevity and actually give people, you know, like you say, give them, they need work so they can feed their families. But more than that, we also want to raise people up to become the, fully who, who God wants them to be. And I think that is the South Africa we all want to see. Yeah. Heinz, one of my favorite scriptures, other than 2 Chronicles 7, 14, is Deuteronomy 8, verse 17 and 18. And it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth. Mm. But remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the ability to produce this wealth. Sure. In other words, I can say, well, I'm working 12 hours a day, I'm 
and therefore I've got what I've got. But remember that you and I could walk out here, I could find out I've got cancer, or I have a heart attack, or I get flattened by a bus. Um, and that I remember that my talents that I've got, my health that I've got, yeah. comes from above. Amen. And that I never get to a point where I believe it's by my own hard work and my own, you know, talents that is why I've got what I've got. Because it's but by God's grace. But God. But God. That's and amazing. so let's never get to the point where we become so self-centered that we come to the point where we believe it's thanks to my strength. Exactly. No, absolutely. And I, and I think all of that, all of that stuff we're talking about today lies in, you know, coming to Jesus and really having his love unlock who we really are and getting rid of the stuff that, that, that we're not, that the world, uh, the stuff that pulled us towards the world and, and thinking that way, but we have to renew our mind. And, you know, for me, Romans 12 always stands out. Let's not be conformed to this world, you know, just because yes. the world does things in a certain way, we must not be conformed to that. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and that is, you know, the, the wave of ethics and, and clean living, for me, that is that renewing. How do I renew the way I do things, the way I, you know, I've, I've got one of the unashamedly ethical certificates. Uh, I, I committed to that, and I, I think it's so amazing. I know that you've had governments of different countries, municipalities sign up as well. Uh, that is so great. And, and I think that is, that is practical ways of us committing on paper to saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to renew my way of thinking. I'm going to renew the way of doing things and be part of the solution, be part of the change. And so I just want to encourage people, uh, first of all, to, to get hold of Graham's books, not by might nor by power, uh, and transform your work life. Those are really amazing reads that can transform your life and help you uh, become the best version of yourself. And uh, and then also you can you'll see in the description that there's a link to unashamedlyethical.com. And uh, and as Graham also said, we've got that uh, that other global voice of prayer.com where you guys can go. And, uh, and, and be a part of, of what's happening around the world. And I always think that we should have a, you know, love, a love approach locally and globally. Uh, and and it, starts, it starts at home. My, my heart is to see healthy families build a healthy nation. And, and as, I think it was Mother Teresa that said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. It starts, it starts there. And, and then from there... You know, having that strong foundation on Jesus for your family, build the businesses that can change the world and people's lives and, and, and love your community well. That, that's what I'm hearing today, and I'm so encouraged. Um, Graham, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your heart and, uh, and just for being here and being such an amazing pioneer and leader in our time. And I just want to ask if you, as we end off today, can maybe pray for everyone listening and for our nation and for the states and this thing happening today there. And then I will end off by praying for you and, um, and just end off the, the show as well. Thank you so much. Heinz, thank you. Before I pray, let me just say that the youth is a key focus and it needs to be a key focus for all of us. Amen. Um, and I'm talking not only about education, I'm talking about ethics and values and so forth. There's a new thing out of Unashamedly Ethical called Tribe. T-R-I-B-E, okay. and this is a, a youth initiative. Um, it's been launched on Facebook and website, etc. And this is something which a young man, Greg Mandungua, 
um, who is uh, a, a great leader, who is heading this up. And um, just to see globally now, there's an initiative called, um, uh, it's called uh, Hope Story. Mm. And it's Hope Story. And for the next 90 days, we've challenged people, not only young folks, but primarily it's the, the younger folk, to tell your story within 60 seconds. Wow. Your story. Sure. And it's a story of hope. That's brilliant. And so all under Global Voice of Prayer or Tribe, you'll pick it up there on the websites. And um, it's, it's something that's exciting. Let's pray. Thank you. Father, I thank you for um, technology. I thank you that we can be uh, um, where we are, sitting in lockdown across the country, across the world. And yet we're able to link up with people and we're able to share each other's story. We're able to learn from one another. Mm. We're able to gain um, from knowledge and experience, um, sometimes the experience of how not to do things. And I've had my fair share <laughs> of them. So thank you for this initiative which he's launched. I pray that you will give him uh, open doors, Lord, as he just comes to uh, challenge us to watch this initiative on a daily basis and as we listen to uh, amazing testimonies of people around the world. And so, Lord, I bring before you today the racial challenge yes. in the USA. Mm. Lord, I pray that there will be a peace and a unity yes, that will come and through this tremendous negative, mm. Lord, that there will be positives that will come out. I agree, Lord. Lord, I pray in our own country because there is so much hurt still. Mm. Lord, those 40 plus years of apartheid has burnt such negative things into so many millions of people's lives. Lord, that every time we have something spark, like now, um, the story out of the U.S., it brings up all of those, um, all of those hurts from mm. the past. Mm. I pray, Lord, for South Africa. I pray for our president. I pray for the cabinet. Yes. I pray for our for our, uh, especially uh, in the Cape and across the country, for the various uh, uh, premiers, for the MECs. Lord, I pray especially for those that are working in these hospitals, people that are now having to be trained to go and work at a place like the CTICC, 850 beds. It needs dedicated doctors and mm. nurses and people that have had to come out of retirement, people that have been willing to offer up their time. Lord, bless them and reward them. Yes, thank Father, you. I pray that there will be a tremendous turnaround, even in this month of June. Yes, Jesus. We will see that graph flattening. Amen. Lord, Cape Town is seen as the epicenter, mm. the New York uh, of America, mm. the epicenter of South Africa and probably even in Africa. I pray, Lord, that you will bring about a divine healing and that we will see um, this turnaround and that we will know it is but by your grace, Father. Yes. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask that you will just be with each one on this, uh, on this line right now that are watching today. Lord, people may be hurting. It may be a financial hurt. It may be a challenge within their own family, their health. Uh, people may be in lockdown and are so frustrated, Father. Mm. I ask, Lord, that even in these next two weeks, there will be a release yes. of this lockdown. Yes, that Lord. even those Thank that are hairdressers and people that are not allowed to operate yet, 
Lord, that they will be able to get their income stream flowing again. And so, Lord, I thank you for a beautiful country, South Africa. I thank you, Lord, for your purpose and your plan, and that we will see a tremendous healing of our land, Mm. and that we will see that revival that you have planned for South Africa, Africa, and the globe. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I stand in agreement with that prayer. And Lord, we just, as everyone here online, we just want to uh, virtually stretch out our hands and, and pray for, for Mr. Graham Power, his, his marriage, his family, and his business, and the prayer movement, Unashamedly Ethical. Lord, we thank you that we can bring all of this to you and ask that you will bless it, that it will be uh, greatly favored, that you will open up doors that no man can close. And that you will bring him before the kings of this world, Lord, more and more even. Uh, that there will be so much favor with Unashamedly Ethical and the days of prayer that, that leaders of countries and companies will, will invite them to, be, to come in. That, they don't even have to knock on the door. It'll just open up for them because people know we have to do something and it's, it needs to be bigger than what we can do in our own strength. We need God. And I thank you, Lord, for more of those opportunities. I thank you for his life. I thank you for his, the calling on his life. We, we bless it. And we, we, yeah, we're just excited to see, Lord, what will still happen. Thank you for all these initiatives that he mentioned. We pray that those will be successful, reach the right ears, that, that people will join in their hundreds of thousands and millions, and, and that it will really become a wave of prayer over the whole globe. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Graham, thank, thank you, you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, yes, that was amazing. I'm so blessed and I'm sure everyone listening as well. So thank you guys for joining us. Please make sure you join us again tomorrow. I'll be chatting to Nico Panaggio. Uh, some of you will know him from Seven Lawn, but uh, many of you will probably know him as the host of Essay Survivor. That's going to be at 1 o'clock tomorrow. And then next week, we've got some exciting guests coming on board. Among others, Uncle Angus Buchan. He's going to join us on Thursday at a bit of a different time, 11 a.m. But that's happening next week, Thursday. Super excited about him coming on board and all the other guests. So please keep an eye on the page and the YouTube channel. We'd love to have you guys here. Thank you once again to Graham Power. And thank you for joining us. We love you. We appreciate you. God loves you. Have a wonderful day. And remember, God's love can unlock anything in your life. Bye-bye.